It's the Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels. Guess what is going to happen now, thanks to the Epic Times. Child social media stars can now sue influencer parents under new Illinois law. Child social media stars in Illinois can now sue their influencer parents for pocketing the profits. Hello, Britney Spears. Made from videos shared online under new legislation signed into law by Governor J.B. Pritzker. So this is kind of influencing, uh, or this kind of influence is going to trickle down to the rest of us, right? I had no idea that there was something called a kidfluencer, and these parents are basically putting on a minstrel show with their children. And here's something else. The amount of money that these successful child influencers really make, some of these kids are bringing in $26 million a year. For what? I mean, to wearing diapers, puking up into a bib, uh, eating baby food, uh, putting on baby clothes. That's worth $26 million a year. So now Chicago is saying, okay, so the kids have to be compensated, not just the parents. Now, this goes into the category that I've spoken about quite a few times, and that is the separation from, of parent from child. Now you're giving children the ability to generate money. Is there anything along the lines of child labor laws that could come into effect with all of this? Or are they going to go down the road of a mature minor where they can lower the age of consent for everybody? And lo and behold, we now have adults at 12 years old. They don't have to live with their parents anymore. They can do whatever they'd like because they are mature minors. They've been using that word for the past year or so to try and steal the 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 custody from the parents and bring those kids to the state. And then you go down the road of the transgender uh, agenda and all that stuff. So you, you get what's going to happen with all of this, right? They want the state to be the custodian of the children. They don't want the parents to do that. So speaking of deadbeat parents, we've got Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Yes, we finally find out, or at least I should say it this way, the mainstream media and the House Republicans have caught up with people like me, who broke this story? I would. I can't even say I broke this story because I just talked about it. Many other people have broke this story before, and that's the idea and the proof that Joseph Biden, whilst vice president, was using pseudonym email addresses, and in his case, he was using probably the dead poet's name Robert L. Peters at PCI.gov. Now, what's significant about this is that he's using a .gov email handle, so I'd really like to know what that is all about. Robert L. Peters, I tried to do some research into the poet Robert L. Peters. Of course, you can come up with Florida man Robert L. Peters, uh, so you can do that too. There's also a big-time Canadian up there in Kanukistan, it's also named Robert L. Peters. Generally, me thinking that the Bidens are perverts, I went down the poet's road and looked at some of his poetry, didn't really see anything that crazy. Uh, maybe some Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer kind of stuff, if you if you read uh, literature from the 50s and the 40s. Uh, okay, so it's risque. He drops the F-bomb, says nasty things about women, and so on and so forth. But what do you expect? The guy uh, divorced his wife and then lived happily ever after with his husband for decades on end until his demise in the early 2000s. But 
we find out that there is a Biden aide John Flynn CC'd Hunter on 10 emails between May 19th and June 15th of 2016, and they've got some guy on there, Robert L. Peters. How could that happen? Who is this? So that's what's really going on here. But this is nothing new because all of these political actors have these alternate email addresses to avoid Freedom of Information Act requests. They do it all the time. The Bush administration does it. Hillary Clinton did it. Bill Clinton did it. The Everybody in the Bush administration. Obama did it. We find out that Obama was doing the same thing because they don't want to be held accountable. That's what this is all about. So that's why the House Oversight Committee is now going after the archivist to get these emails back from them. Now, do you think that the archivist is going to do something that would potentially put Joseph Biden in a precarious situation? Of course not. Of course not. Vice President Biden took a call with President of Ukraine, Petro Poroshenko, chocolate magnate. It is concerning to the committee, however, that this document was sent to Robert L. Peters, a pseudonym for the committee, to find out that it was actually Joseph Biden. Additionally, the committee questions why the then VP's son, Hunter, was copied on the email to then Vice President. Okay, so I've got another name, actually another email address they should look up, and this has been out for a really long time. They should also do searches for 67stingray at gmx.com. You can go over to lookingglass.com and sift through a lot of the Biden documents. Most of them are redundant. There's nothing really earth-shattering over there. Uh, you can look at where Hunter went a few times. You can look at his travel history on lookingglass.com. Lookingglass.com spelled with two zeros instead of two-letter O's. And you, you, that's one of Joseph Biden's pseudonym emails, except he's dumb enough on this to put his name as Joseph Biden. So if you were to do a search at the Archivist or Freedom of Information Act request looking for emails with 67stingray at gmx.com, I'm pretty sure that something would come up. But that doesn't stop any of these wokists. No, I didn't say locusts. I said wokists because the woke crowd is now a danger to society as a whole. We, there's another story that came out today. Woke Hawaiian officials stalled the release of revered water until it was too late to save Maui. So a lot of the stories that we heard, especially the space I did last night with Greg and a bunch of other guests, we focused on Maui and what happened over there and the stories that we heard from people that were on the ground. Uh, you can find that. You can go over to Greg's profile on X, and I reposted it too, so you can listen to that. It was about two hours. They were talking about how there wasn't any water to put out the fires. Well, we find out there is a reason for this. There is some dude by the name of Kaleo Manuel, a native Hawaiian cultural practitioner. And wouldn't you know it, shockingly, he is as woke as the day is long. And this comes from Vivek Ramaswamy as he's running for president, although he is dubious at best with his background and rhetoric when it comes to COVID masks and mandates. There's a dark but hard truth to the Maui catastrophe that has led to over 110 tragic deaths. As wildfires rage, desperate residents petitioned state officials to send more water, and the request went unanswered. We're learning that the official who delayed the approval... Uh, the dude that I referenced before, 
is actually an Obama Foundation Asia-Pacific leader and a climate activist who believes water should be revered first and foremost. The DEI agenda is literally costing people their lives. The number one responsibility of government is to protect citizens, so on and so forth, and you got some political rhetoric because he's running for president. But the idea here is that you've got a community agitator aspirant under the guise of Obama, or actually under the guise of Kaleo Manuel, doing Obama's bidding, and he is saying no, because water is important, and water is something that is holistic, and there's something called one water where it's supposed to be revered and not used. And he even brings up water equity. And an ancient reverence of water as godlike. He uses these beliefs to support his ridiculous rationale for keeping tight controls over the water supplies. This guy is a nut. This guy is a deranged lunatic if he truly believes this nonsense. And I sincerely doubt he really believes this because nobody in their right mind would say, Oh my gosh, there's a whole town on fire. And people are jumping into the water to escape the flames. Guess what? I'm not going to turn on the water to help anybody. Nobody thinks like that. This was this goes into the column of engineered operation because of this situation. That is disgusting. It is absolutely reprehensible that this person can go on Zoom calls and talk about how there is a one water holistic approach to life and water is more sacred than human beings. And he does it with a smile and a stupid paisley shirt with a pink flower on it. This loser needs to get out of here. And so does Barack Obama. He needs to just go away, live in your house, buy hot dogs, fly all over the world. Just leave us the hell alone with your ridiculous policies because even Minneapolis, Minneapolis hotbed, of lunacy and idiocy has now decided at their arts and cultural center that, oh, look what we'll do. Being that we live in a world that is just full of mystery and magic, we're going to attend and encourage families to attend a ceremony to summon and befriend a demon of their choosing. That's right. And Alpha News broke that one where they're reporting that the Walker Arts Center held a pagan ritual geared towards families last weekend with a performance called Lilith the Empathic, not Empathetic, Empathic Demon. Now, who is Lilith? You have to go back to your Bible, particularly the Hebrew Bible, when they talk about Lilith. Lilith is the first wife of Adam, and she was banished from the Garden of Eden for not obeying Adam. And it's also theorized that she is the primordial she-demon. Lilith is cited as having been banished, like I said, for not complying. She is thought to be mentioned in the biblical Hebrew uh, Bible, in the book of Isaiah, and in late antiquity in the Mandian mythology and Jewish mythology sources are from 500 CE and onwards. Lilith appears in, in all sorts of stuff. You can even find her in Babylonian uh, mythology and all of that, where she plays along in the role of Inanna. Uh, she is the—if uh, you look up Inanna, you'll find her. She's got owl feet, 
and uh, I believe big eyes and wings and stuff like that. Very voluptuous, uh, high relief, very high relief. It just goes to show you that men loved boobs all the way back then. And uh, that's the whole gist of, uh, of Lilith here. Now in Minneapolis, they're trying to summon uh, Lilith or some offshoot of her. And they say organizations like us have a responsibility. Demons have a bad reputation. But maybe we're just not very good at getting to know them. That's right. Don't you want to know your neighborhood demon? Families are invited to create a vessel to trap the demon that knows them best. Perhaps it's the demon of overthinking. And then participate in a playful ceremony to summon and befriend their demon. And then you can even go on the walkerart.org website where they outline what they're going to be doing all day. Uh, you can... Plant press. That's right. You take little plants and you press them into clay from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then, oh, how to trap a demon on the next day. And they can just let us play and talk to the demon. And after designing your trap, the empathic demon will come from the dark side of the moon to lead you in locating your feelings using ancient Babylonian techniques. And this Collective and playful demon summoning session will conclude with a somatic movement meditation designed to help you befriend your shadows. That's right. Why wouldn't the art center get millions of dollars in taxpayer funding for something like this? Why wouldn't we want to befriend a demon and see what they have to tell us? Well, reading from the new book by Joseph Farrell, The Demon in the Eaker, very, very fascinating stuff. He references a guy by the name of Damascene, I wish I had his full name here, St. John of Damascus, the Damascene. There we go. And he wrote an interesting book way back when, uh, the, the Celestial Hierarchies, where he goes through the nine types of angels and what they do and so on and so forth. Now, he talks about angels themselves. The angel's nature then is rational and intelligent and endowed with free will, changeable in will or fickle. For all that is created is unchangeable, and only that which is created is uncreated is changeable. Also, all that is rational is endowed with free will. So don't let the government tell you otherwise. So here's what is important. For it is owing to the weakness of his body that man comes to have repentance. But angels don't have to do that. That is something that is very important. They do not have to repent. They are secondary intelligent lights derived from the first light, which is without beginning. In other words, the creator. For they have the power of illumination. They have no need for tongue or hearing, but without uttering words, they communicate to each other through thoughts and counsels. That is something important, too, because that means they do not have to become corporeal, right? They have to only think it. So that's also something that you need to understand when you're trying to summon a demon in Minneapolis and try to contain the demon and have a conversation with it. If they're incorporeal, able to be in two places at once and not beholden to the laws of basic three-dimensional reality, good effing luck. They're going to lie to you and they're going to make sure that... Uh, that they are not going to be telling, telling the truth 
in any way whatsoever. But the D, the, how, what's his name? The Damascene, there we go. In another chapter of his, concerning the devil's and the demons. This is where they get into the difference between fallen angels and also uh, also the angels of God. Of the future, both the angels of God and the demons are alike ignorant. God reveals the future to the angels and commends them to prophecy, and so what they say comes to pass. That's where you get the good guys. But the demons, or fallen angels, and demons, by the way, and, and uh, uh, satans are classes of demons, also make predictions, sometimes because they see what is happening at a distance, and sometimes merely making guesses. Hence, much that they say is false, and they should not be believed, even though they do often in uh, they do often in the way they have said, tell what is true. Besides, they know the scriptures. So, in other words, they're able to see future timelines and fe- see futuristic events. But the problem is, is that they do not have discernment. They've turned away from the light. They've turned away from the primary light. So what they do is the demons come into play, and then they say, oh, this is a future event. Believe me, all you have to do is this, right? That's what they're talking about. All wickedness, then, says the Damascene, and all impure passions are the work of the mind. But while the liberty to attack man has been granted to them, the demons, they have not the strength to overmaster anyone. That's important to know, for we have it in our power to receive or not receive the attack. That's an important line from a long, long time ago. Uh, That is from, he wrote that in around the year 700. So do you understand how how old this thing is? I'll read that line to you again. While the liberty to attack man has been granted to them, the demons, um, think about any kind of agency that has really made some waves over the past couple of years. They have not the strength to overmaster anyone. They only can manipulate. They can't overpower you. If you have discernment, if you have the light inside of you, you're able to see through the lies, and you're able to discern what their predictions really mean. Okay? For we have it in our power, he says, to receive or not receive the attack. That is the same thing that we went through during COVID and the COVID mandates, right? We have the power of discernment. Many of you that listen to me and are part of the Fuzzball Nation understand that concept. We can choose to be attacked or we can choose to have discernment and realize how they're trying to game us. And we don't have to accept, we don't have to play their games because we know what the outcome for us would probably be. And it probably wouldn't be anything that we would want in our timeline. So just as these demons can try to manipulate man and they have the ability to attack man, they could never, ever win the fight. And that's what we're dealing with on a grand scale right now across this planet. Even though the powers that be have the ability to attack man, they do not have the power to overmaster man. And the only way that we can overpower them, or I should say it this way, the only way 
that we could be subjected to their manipulation is to allow it. If we don't allow it, if we call them out and we hold them accountable for their actions, then they are done. We're truly dealing with a demonic mindset on all scales of society, not just in Minneapolis, where they're trying to summon a demon. That's going to be it for me this week. You know what day it is. That's right. I have a wrap-up with Greg Bolden over on uh, his podcast, so you can listen to that. If you don't, follow him wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, And as always, like me, find me, share me, do what you do. Have a good weekend. This is the last call with Chris Michael.